Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Have you ever lost something of real value? Something that's extremely valuable and you're searching and you're searching and you're searching and you're searching some more, and you're looking, and you're looking high, you're looking low, you're looking in those crevices of your home that you haven't been in in a while. You are looking everywhere to find something that is lost. Because when it's truly valuable, when it truly has worth, when it truly has meaning for you, you will do everything possible to find the thing that is lost. You will overturn every rock, you will overturn anything in your house. You will look under every stack of papers. You will look in that drawer, that junk drawer that we all have in our home where we throw everything in there. You will pull everything out and you will see if it's in there. Maybe it was your wallet. Maybe it was your keys. Maybe, maybe it was your purse. Maybe it was one of your kids that you lost. And parents, you know that if the, for the parents here, you know that, that split second, and if you, if you have kids, you've, if you've never lost a kid, it's because you don't have a kid, okay? We've all lost our kid at one time or another. And, and, and you, that one split second, that deep down in your, in your gut, down in the pit of your gut, that one nanosecond that you truly, truly think that you lost your child, there's a, there's a panic that begins to occur. There is a, a, a desperation that, that begins to rise up. And your world is turned into chaos for just a split second. Because you believe that you lost something very important. You believe you lost your child. And maybe it wasn't your child. Maybe you were responsible for your niece or your nephew or your, or your grandchild. Uh, a lot of you have here grandkids, right? We're all pretty young today. But whatever, whatever that moment was, it was a horrible moment. It was a terrible moment. And think about it. Think about it. If you lose something, if you lose something, it, it doesn't matter that everything else is in its place. Amen? It, let me explain it this way. I have lost on one occasion or two occasions, maybe more than I want to admit, a child here and there. The last time I lost Andrew, me and I, him, and I, my, I made the, the decision to take all my kids to, to Target. We were at Target, and I don't even remember why we went, what we were looking for. But I remember as we're walking around, there was a discussion that began to arise, which kind of, you know, we don't like to fight. We don't argue. You know, your kids, they don't fight and argue with you, right? Uh, it doesn't happen. But there was a little discussion that occurred. And I remember me and Andrew weren't quite on the same page. And I remember that I said, I will no longer discuss this. I don't want to hear it again. 
And I, I kept on sh- sh- looking at whatever I was looking at. I turned my back on him, and, and, and Nathan and Hannah, they were just shaking their head like, come on, man. And all of a sudden, a few minutes passed by, and I'm looking around, and I didn't turn around. I become aware that Andrew's not there anymore. And I told Nathan, hey, where's Andrew? I don't know. I think he's in the aisle next to us. So very calmly, you know, I, I walk over. I look for Andrew. Well, he's not here. He's one more over. And I'm looking for him. And then after the third or fourth aisle, I begin to get a, a sinking feeling in my stomach. And I begin to feel like, oh, my gosh. I am such a bad dad because I got upset with him. Maybe, maybe, and all these thoughts, because you guys have thought this before, right? You, 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 for one second, you, you turn your back on one of your kids, and all of a sudden they're gone, and you, your, your world just goes into chaos. But like I was saying is that it doesn't matter where everything else is, but if that one thing is missing, that one thing is lost, nothing else matters. Because imagine, imagine the phone call. Imagine the phone call. Honey, um, hey, uh, guess what? What, what happened? You know what? Um, I lost Andrew, but don't worry. Don't worry. Nathan and Hannah are right here. Don't. Th- no, she wouldn't care that Nathan or Hannah were okay with me. Her biggest concern and my biggest concern is where is Andrew? Where is the thing that is lost? Where is the thing of value? Because when you lose something, it doesn't matter that you know where your purse is. It doesn't matter where you know where your checkbook is at. But if your keys are missing, that is what controls your life. That is all that matters at that moment. The one thing that is lost. The one thing that is lost. When you lose something of value... The thing that is lost takes precedence, takes priority in your life. And when something of value is lost, not only does it cause pain in your heart, not only does heartache begin to occur, not only is there a sense of separation, but your world is turned upside down. Things get out of place. The responsibilities you had for that day, they are pushed to the side because something is lost. Something is not there. And in the same way, church, today I I want to tell you and I want to let you know that God's love for us is in constant pursuit of us. If we are lost or if we've strayed away from him, God is constantly Constantly pursuing us. This new sermon series that we're starting, we're calling it The Pursuit. And it's all about God's relentless, everyone say relentless. God's relentless love that is always chasing you down. That is always, that is why some of you, some of you have walked away from God. Some of you haven't been to church in a long time. Some of you feel unworthy, but yet you are sitting here today because God put somebody in your life that said, no, I'm not just going to let you go free. There is a love that chases you down and that pursues you no matter, no matter how far you are, no matter where you find yourself. The one son 
The one daughter is of high importance to our God. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Uh, we're going to be, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be working through Luke chapter 15. And I, I invite you this week to read through Luke chapter 15. Read it two, three, four, five times. Get this in your heart. This is Jesus talking about you. This is Jesus talking about me and his pursuit for you. And in, in Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, the word of God says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Verse 2, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And before we go in, into the next part, I want to just make a couple comments here. Uh, I think that there's a couple of things that we need to look at here. First of all, what we're reading here, it says that people who were not like Jesus really liked being with Jesus. I'll say that again. People who were nothing like Jesus, they liked being around Jesus. And, and it mentions two people specifically. It mentions tax collectors and sinners. Now, back in, in those days, tax collectors, they held a, a societal status that was elevated from everyone else because they were direct representatives of government. This was the IRS of back then. And... Although they were in a, in a high place, even though they had influence, even though they had power, it didn't mean that they were all good. And when the, the Bible mentions tax collectors, it's usually in a negative connotation. Just like when you think of the IRS, you don't think happy thoughts. You're not best friends with the IRS. And it's the same thing back then. These tax collectors were the elite uh, they were the wealthy, but yet because they were elite, they were wealthy, they had influence, they used their influence in order to gain benefit for themselves, and they were corrupted. They stole from people. They demanded more than what was supposed to be demanded, but no one could do anything because they represented government. And then the second set of people it mentions is that it was the tax collectors and the sinners. Now, the sinners was more of a, a, a generalized description of, of everyone else. Those people that weren't in church. These were the drunkards. These were the adulterers. These were the liars. These were the murderers. These were the people that were far from God. But truth is that both of these groups, the tax collectors and the sinners, no matter the, the societal status that the tax collectors had, the truth is that both of these groups were the same. They were the same. Many times we feel as because that we have sin in our lives, that things that have led us away from God, we feel that we are not worthy to come before Jesus. But here we see Jesus not only talking to sinners, Jesus is eating with them. Jesus did not shun those who were far from God away from him. He welcomed them. He invited them. And I believe that the reason why people like Jesus so much is because Jesus showed a genuine interest in them. Jesus showed a genuine love for them. And when the religious people of that time, the church of that time, rejected the tax collectors, 
rejected the sinners and said, you are not worthy to step into our house. You are not worthy to come before God. Here comes a man. Here comes a teacher. Here comes a rabbi that comes and says, no, all are welcome at the table. Oh, you can pull up a chair. You can bring anything you have with you. It doesn't matter what they've labeled you with. It doesn't matter what they call with what they call you. What Jesus is saying, you can sit. There is room for you at the table. See, it doesn't matter how many times you have been rejected. It doesn't matter how many times people have wagged the finger at you and said, you are not worthy. You know better than that. You shouldn't have done that. You, should, you cannot come around here anymore because you got to change so many different things. And it doesn't matter how far you've been from God. Jesus tells you, church, today that you have a place at the table. You are welcome. You can sit with him. You can talk with him. You can eat with him. God wants to have a relationship with you. You are no different than that one that points a finger at you. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. This means that those who are accused and those who are accusing, we all fall under the same umbrella. We all fall within the same picture or portrait when it comes to God. And you got to understand that your acceptance is not based on your performance. Your acceptance is based on the recognition of, or you recognizing that you have a need of a Savior. God does not accept you because you're so good. God does not accept you because you, because you, you have done and fulfilled certain steps. God accepts you when you put your faith in Him and you say, I need you. I need you. You don't get, as they say, you don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. Sometimes we reverse it, man. I, I got to be this way. I got to change this. And, and yes, you do. God will tell you and God will convict you and there will be things that we need to change in our lives. But just because you haven't changed them yet doesn't mean there's not room at the table for you. As we grow and as our church grows and our church develops and the culture begins to, to get more extended church, we don't want to be those people that do not allow people to come to this place because of wherever they may find themselves. See, being human means that we are messy at times. Being human means that we commit mistakes at times. Being human means that there is error in our lives. But we as a church, we don't accuse we simply allow for God's Holy Spirit to move and for God's Holy Spirit to convict through his word, through the message, through the song. And as people's hearts open up, God begins to do a work in our lives. How many can say God is still working on me? God is still working on me. And see, when, when the religious people started to grumble, Jesus spoke up and he told the story. In verse 3, Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. 
Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Until he finds it. See, we'll stop right there. At first glance, when I read this, it doesn't make too much sense to me. I brought a picture. Brother Chuya, there's a picture, I think. There it is. All right. At what point do you realize you're missing a sheep? You know? I'm taking care of the sheep, and I'm going through the mountain, and I'm making sure that they're fed. And, but at what point does someone realize, oh, man, oh, snap, I... I think I'm missing one. And then you have to do a head count. And what the Bible says is that once you realize that you are missing one, don't you leave all the nighting, the ones that you have, don't you leave them to the side. You leave them in the open country. That's what Jesus said. And you go after the one that is lost. And I think that as a society... Nowadays, we've kind of lost a little bit of the importance of, of, of the value there is in what God has given us. Because we live in a society, we live in a culture where there is an overabundance of resources. Right? We, 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 we go through one car, we'll replace that car. We get tired of our house, we get another house. We... we, we, we we change the type of food we eat. We'll change our clothing. We will go through things and we replace things. And if we lost something, it's okay when, it, when we don't truly value it. It's okay, I'll just go buy another one because there is an overabundance of resources in our lives for the most part. But the problem is that this trickles down, not only in just the material things, but this trickles down into our relationships. Listen, church. We feel like we have an overabundance of friends in our lives. And if one friend says goodbye, it's okay. I got a thousand on, friend, on Facebook. Even our marriages. It's not working out. It's okay. I'll find another husband. I'll find, find another wife. I can replace the spouse. We've lost our urgency of pursuing that which is lost in our lives or pursuing those things that are in danger of being lost. As parents, come on, going back to the whole kid thing. As parents, are you not aware of who is most likely to get lost when you go to the store if you have two or three kids? You will be. You know, okay, I better watch out for this one because... He likes to go, and you, you tie him down, and you, and you uh, wish you could put a... Actually, I've seen this at, at theme parks. It looks like they make him look all nice, but they look like leashes on the kids, right? They're wearing this backpack with a, like a little leash thing. And you leash your child because you know, you know that kid's going to get lost. You know. And see... This happens not only in our relationships as well, that we think we can replace things, but this begins to happen in our very own lives where we begin to devalue who we are because we begin to look at others. We begin to compare where we are to where they're at. We see that they serve differently than we 
serve. We see that they have maybe uh, better, greater talents than we do. We see that they're better equipped to do certain things than we are. They appear to love God more than, than, more than maybe we do. They appear to have greater resources and therefore they're more generous than we are. And we begin to think, we tend to think that we're not as valuable as we thought we were. Man, if I don't go to church this week, no one's going to notice. Well, believe me, here we notice. But if I go to church, no one's going to call me. I, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to give. See, this is not what Jesus said. Jesus said that not only does he leave the 99 in the open country, he's interested in the one that is lost. He is interested in the one that has gone astray. He will leave those that are there to find the one that is wandering. He goes out. The Bible says that he, in verse 5, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Verse 6, and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You got to understand what Jesus is saying here. That when he finds the lost sheep, Jesus is willing to put that person. Jesus is willing to find you wherever you're at. He will leave those that are there to find you, to find me. And when he finds us, he says, I'm willing to carry the burden that you have. Are you tired of wandering? Are you tired of being astray? Are you tired of being lost? I am calling you. I'm here. I will reach down, Jesus says, and I will pick you up with joy, not upset, not accusingly, but I will find you. I will lift you up on my shoulders and I will go home with you. Then I think Jesus goes into what we may consider a bit of hyperbole. Because I think that if we found a pet that we had lost, we probably wouldn't throw a party. I probably wouldn't call my neighbor, hey, guess what? I found my dog and I found this and I found that. Thank the Lord I found it. You know what? I'm going to throw a big fajitas in my house this Saturday. Come on. But Jesus says that when he finds you, when he finds me, and we allow him to carry us, he says there is rejoicing in heaven. There is a party that gets thrown in the house of God because one has come to God. One has found his way home. He that was lost is now found. God says, I will throw a celebration for you. He feels so in love with you. Ezekiel 34 verse 11 says, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock, when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places, everyone say all the places. 
See, God doesn't say, well, I, I, I won't go into this one place. No, I, I can't go into that neighborhood because that neighborhood, you know, is kind of shady. Uh, no, I'm not going to go there because I, I can't. No, he says, I will go into all the places for, where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. Jesus, God himself, will pursue you. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God gave him himself to find you. God said you are so important. See, the other day I, I was talking to my wife and by the way, I forgot to mention, pray for my wife. She's not feeling well today. That's why she's not here. But I was talking to her, and we were having this discussion, and our, our, our hearts were, were, were really, at this moment, kind of tender, real. Uh, we were just talking about God and what God means to us. And if you guys don't have this discussion with your, with your spouses or with your children, you need to. You need to talk to them about your love for Jesus. I was telling her, you know what? Jesus is everything to me. My God is everything to me. Because in those moments when I feel weak, I know I have where I can go to find strength. And if it wasn't for Jesus, quite honestly, I told her, I don't know where I would be today. Because only I know my heart. Only I know the struggles that I have. And only, know, God, only I know the shame that I carry with me day in and day out. But it's because of Jesus' love and his, his love for me and his love for, for, for just who I am as a person, as his, as his son. It is the only reason that I can keep stepping forward. It's the only reason that I can wake up in the morning and say, this is going to be a good day. It doesn't matter if someone tries to rain on my day. This will will be a good day because Jesus is on my side and if God is for me who can be against me Jesus is everything and you you have to understand you are everything to God also you are his masterpiece you are his son you are his daughter so the question becomes, well, pastor, what, what, what is the point? What do I have to do? Or, or what, are, what is this telling me? What is my place in this narrative? It is simply this. If you've been struggling through your days, if you've been struggling through your life, trying to find where everything fits together, trying to find answers to the struggles, trying to find answers to the circumstance that you're living through at this moment. Jesus says, son, and the son, daughter, you don't have to go through this alone. You don't have to remain lost. You don't have to remain far from home. Jesus gave his life for you. Jesus gave his life for me in order that we can be reconciled. Or in another way, another way to say is that in order that we could be made right before God. Because there's nothing you or I can do to impress God. Or to be made right with God. It's what Jesus did on the cross.
He said, I love my son so much. I love my daughter so much that I am willing to lay down my life. I am willing to sacrifice myself for him, for her. Jesus invites you, gather around me. Come to me. We talk about sit with me month. We're saying, come on, come with me to church this week. Sit with me. And those of you that listen to your friends and those of you that are here today, this is not your friend speaking to you. This is God reaching out to you. There's a reason God put you in your friend's heart. There's a reason because God says, I want you home. I am willing to carry you. I am willing to carry your shame. And your burdens. Jesus told the religious people at the time as they were grumbling about him spending time with the tax collectors and with the sinners and with the outcasts and with the misfits and with those who they thought weren't right with God. He said, you know what? I did, the, the, the people that are sick have no need of a doctor. I did not come for you, the religious. I came for the lost. That's why I'm willing to leave the 99. That is why I set my life down for you. Our mission as a church, as believers, as those who once, and I'm going to talk to the church for just a moment, as our mission, as, one, as those who were once were lost, our mission is to introduce people to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, friend, come sit with me. Well, what do you want me to sit? Well, there's a spot next to me. I need you to sit with me this week. You bring him. You allow God to speak into their lives. All you have to do is introduce him to Jesus. And we pray, and you pray, and you fast, and you believe that God will take care of the rest. Let that seed be planted in their lives. And the question really becomes at the end of the day, are you tired of living a life without direction? Are you tired of, of putting on a front to others, pretending to be okay when deep down in your heart you know you're not okay? Are, are you tired of, of, as they say, that faking it till you make it? Are you tired of living a life that you can't be honest, that you can't be true, that you can't pursue the things that you need in your life to repair your life? Are you tired of having to deal with issues and that bring you to your knees because you don't know what decision to make? You seem trapped with life. I want to introduce you to Jesus. He's my friend, but above all, he's my savior. He's my God. And there's a reason you're here today. And there's a reason that God chose for today that you would be here. Because God's love for us is in constant pursuit of us. It's reaching is calling, is going to those places where you never thought God would go. 
doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter what you've done. God says, you can come home, son. Will there be changes in your life? But once you meet God, out of that gratitude, there will be changes in your life. Will it happen overnight? Some people change overnight. Some people take a lifetime. Philippians 1.6, one of my favorite verses. He who began a good work in you shall complete it, shall bring it unto completion on the day of Jesus Christ. See, you're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. I can't say I've arrived. You can't say you haven't arrived. Let's just be honest. Let's just be open. There are things in our lives that need attention. But there is a God that is willing to leave the 99 to come searching for you. I'm going to ask you to stand.